up, everybody? Welcome to Kings and Priests, episode 10. Wow, already. I know. Can you believe it? How you doing, man? Good, mate. Really good. Uh, just beautiful day outside here in Park City, Utah. I was going to say, did you tell me about snow golfing? Did I see that you're, uh, oh, yeah. you're oh. snowshoe golfing? So I started snowshoeing and I took a club with me. Usually you take poles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, t- I had a 52 degree gap wedge, a bunch of bright yellow balls. Wasn't the greatest color. I switched to orange next okay. time. But it's like hitting it out of the sand because mm-hmm. the snow is, you know, even though it's firm, it's soft. It's like hitting a bunker shot, and which means you've got to hit the ball first for it to go anywhere. Oh, right. And so it's a really kind of cool. So I just grip them down, and I played like five holes. You did like five with, holes? With, I did five holes, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> like it was taking me, I could only hit it like 80, 90 yards. Yeah. So I was just, I wasn't carrying a bunch of clubs or anything. just had the one club, but it made snowshoeing more fun. Right. So that's anyway, hilarious. it's like, um, yeah. do you ever watch uh, Rick Shields on YouTube, the British golf pro? Uh, yeah, I have seen him. <laughs> the ones where he'll play a golf, like a legitimate tour pro with just a 54 yep. and he'll have his whole bag. Yep. It's kind of yep. like that same. Yeah. Is it, you're not even trying to shoot par. You're, you're just kind of like, you're no, no, no. You're, All you're doing is, yeah, you're just swinging the club and like you literally got snowshoes on. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty challenging. Yeah. Cause I guess, but I, enjoy I guess you're just walking if you're just snowshoeing. Yeah. You're literally just That's all you're doing. Yep. You're walking. Mm-hmm. It's exercise. You, you, I came back like, cause you're rugged up. It's freezing here. Yep. Like it's, you know, 30 degrees. Mm-hmm. It's sunny and put a hat on and, uh, Man, it was fun. Mm-hmm. I got a podcast going in one ear. I got <laughs> swinging the club. There you go. Great. Um, I guess what what else is going on? So um, did you see actually Peloton, Nike and Amazon are both apparently potentially yeah. going after Peloton. Are they getting killed? What, it was a 70% drop or something? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now pretty cheap. Um, still down for like 40 billion down to eight. <laughs> but, awesome. um, you know, that's one of those, those phenomenons where, you know, a lot of us, me included, our business included, had big, fast forward during COVID and got a lot of new customers. And the challenge after that, obviously now two years is continued growth. And I think a lot of companies are, you know, like struggling to keep growth and the market rewards future growth. Mm -hmm. So when they don't see growth, you get hammered. Um, Facebook, you know, got, it was the biggest one day, 230 billion cut off their market cap because you know, Apple, you know, basically took 10 billion in profit away by putting the privacy stuff. Um, right. so they, they can do all the retargeting ads and, uh, and they're dropping 10 billion here on meta, which is maybe a 10 year bet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they got 10 billion, not coming in 10 billion going out right. on something that no one's really sure about. So, so they lost 10 billion in revenue in a quarter in their ads business. I think um, they, they were, what they were saying was, is they're predicting a loss of 10 billion in revenue because of Apple's privacy rules change, which is like, how badass is that? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Right. Like Tim Cook, like Steve Jobs, that's a total Steve Jobs move, mm-hmm. but for Tim Cook to basically turn off 10 billion in revenue because they made, you know, those privacy changes is man. I mean, business is war, man. Man, Facebook you know, is just getting level. it from every single angle right now. And um, Everything I read, no one likes the guy. Like he's not liked in Silicon Valley. He copies everything. He rips stuff off. He, you know, Mm -hmm. I I guess that's a, it's a good like thing to think through, right? You reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. And we're always trying to, you know, for for people that listen to, to do business, you're a believer. 
um, even if you're not a believer, you, you, you got to have values that you wrap yourself in mm-hmm. and, and have those values, you know, weave in and out of how you do business and how you treat people and competition for sure. Right. Like that's the, the greatest fun to me in business is the competitive part of it. Mm-hmm. But man, you gotta, you gotta be a good actor and you gotta play nice and you can't be a jerk mm-hmm. and you can't treat people like crap. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially your customers. So, you right. know, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. It ultimately comes back to, uh, comes back to bite you for sure. And yeah. it seems like it has in the, in oh, the, yeah. uh, in the world sure. of Facebook. Sure. Um, let's jump into some of these topics for today. Really what got me thinking about this. And um, I've been reading a lot about the creator economy. I'm starting a media business that is all around yep. content. So let's talk about the creator economy because everything. Do you want to explain? Yeah. Can you explain what that is? Yes. Yeah, like so, I know what it is, but. Yep. So the idea here is that in the past really 15 years, the legacy media business has been completely disrupted with social media. So everybody now has the ability to go online, start a blog, start a newsletter, start a podcast start a Twitter account, YouTube, YouTube channel, YouTube whatever, channel, you know, wh- whatever you, yeah, whatever direction right. you want to take it and build their own following, build their own business. And the shape that this initially took was sort of like the social media influencer, right? Where I'm um, someone's a lifestyle influencer. They post about their life, where they're eating, what they're doing, you know, whatever vertical they post about. Right. And then advertisers were then paying them to, um, you know, post about products or whatever. Uh, The last few years, that's changed into essentially the creators building their own economy, which is much more, I'm a creator. What kind of business or product can I build around myself? um, And monetize it. And and monetize it. Um, And then you also at the same time have businesses are essentially now, at least a good amount of businesses are are now media companies unto themselves, especially with the rise of content marketing and and all that kind of stuff. So. The creator economy is I can go online, I can create content, I can create products, and I can build a business around around those without needing any middleman um, right. whatsoever. And, and, and that's, you just hit that, I, uh, like two things you said. One, anyone can create content mm-hmm. of varying degrees of quality. Um, and really you're cutting out. So something like Substack is really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is high profile journalists that now have are making more money selling a $5 a month subscription to people on Substack that mm-hmm. want to read their content. Their content's so good. Mm-hmm. They used to write for the New York times or yep. maybe they were like, you know, they're a real serious journalist. Yeah. And, and I've done and that st- by the way, I've canceled every new subscription I have right. New York times, yeah. Bloomberg, Washington, all right. of it. And I now subscribe yep. to maybe two or three paid newsletters um, right. a month. Right. I just started um, uh, Packy McCormick. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I signed up for his. He does this long form Monday kind of email. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton, right? We will get the brew. We get this and that. Um, and, you know, what, what, what's happened is there's been this democratization of information where people will just not stand for crap anymore. Right. And, and, and information that is influenced from one political side to the other, like everyone's dying to get the truth. No one knows what to believe. If there's, if there's one thing that's really hurt, I think 
especially the US in the last four or five years, is you you cannot believe the media. Either side, right? you literally have to, when you see a story, mm-hmm. you have to go and fact check it for yourself because initially you're like, wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you come to find out how many stories, like three days later have to get walked back. Mm-hmm. And because there's some, in, like there's some, it is so brutal. It's funny you say that. It's so funny. I literally have a, uh, basically a, um, nonstop debate going back and forth with my, with my boomer cousin, who's, you know, uh, <laughs> corporate communications guy. And we go back and forth and he literally texts me this week, news outlets go through a rigorous editorial process to verify sources and data. And my response was, you can't actually say this with a straight face. Exactly. Um, like I'm a boomer so and there's just, yeah, there's no way that that's the truth. Like you can literally forget the politics. Remember when for a year and a half, we were told that Donald Trump, President mm-hmm. then Trump, colluded with Russia. Yeah, he was a Russian spy, was the... Uh, and yeah. Pulitzer Prize winning books were written. Mm-hmm. And two years later, it's like, it's so, okay, yeah, you can, it's not the politics of it, it happens both ways. You just want the truth. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening is if you are a traditional journalist that has some integrity, you, you can make money now by bypassing the classic media, mm-hmm. uh, mainstream or otherwise, and go direct to the public. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Yeah. Let me ask you a quick question about Packy, um, or at least I want to get your thoughts. So I've been following him probably since the beginning of COVID. I don't remember how oh, I wow. came across him, but he's exploded, yeah. right? He was doing a newsletter. He's, about he's 100,000 plus on Twitter now. Yeah. He's about to. He just He's already raised and- he's got his own venture firm. His, he's doing you know, Yeah, he's best. already, I think- allocated like 10 million. He's just about to raise yep. a $20 million fund. Right. But here's what I think is interesting. And he's my age. So he's 30, I think 35, 36 yep. years old. Yep. His whole MO is I'm not an expert. Yep. I'm doing this. I'm learning this as I go. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm I think even in, yeah, even in his piece today, I think he said, I was just reading it. He said um, something to the effect. He says it up front. Like, yeah. He said something to the effect of like, now that I'm over 100,000 subscribers, I'm sure there are way more experts reading this than me. So, yeah. but I'm still going to tell you my thesis and my perspective. Right. Um, and people are investing with him, like like large sure. investors yeah. are allocating yeah. money to him. Um, well, this he, is his deal flow, right? Like right. he's literally, Do you, <laughs> you know, he'll get pitched all kinds of companies and he'll get all kinds of LPs joining his fund. And what uh, do you think it is about goes. him that's able to say, I'm not an expert? But there are literally CEOs of Fortune 500, 500 companies reading him, and major venture investors sending him right. money to allocate on on their behalf. Like, is right. it just him I, and his personality, or is it just the world in which we live in now? Because his audience is so big, it's worth it, taking it, a gamble on a guy like him. I think the market values honesty. Mm-hmm. So when you say things that, are, you know, self-effacing, or you know, you're you're just if you're a truth teller the market will find you and they'll applaud you and they'll keep consuming what you're producing. Mm-hmm. When you're found out to have agenda and, you know, even in his advertising, it's really interesting. He says up front, he says, I'm reviewing this product in long form and they're paying me. Mm-hmm. So and in I'm some cases trying... I've even invested in this company. Right. Yeah. But he, so he's just a massive truth teller mm-hmm. and his int- now, if you know, if he ever does something where he's found out to be lying, that'll be the end of it. Because his mm-hmm. brand is, I'm just going to be upfront and tell you the truth about mm-hmm. 
you know, and here's all my research and here's both sides. And so I, I just think that's why he's won. And he's, he's, he's clever. Um, right. You know, he, he leads off 694 people have joined, you know, the newsletter since last week. And it's, it's just really cool. Um, and, and so on this creator economy thing, you know, yeah, we can all create now. Um, we all have devices that we can do stuff in real time. And, you know, if you've got something that people want to know about, you can get an audience pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I think it comes down to people, you know, you want to listen to experts. Um, I, I, I follow a lot of, uh, cooking kind of stuff on TikTok, mm -hmm. you know, and these are nobodies. You're on right? TikTok. Oh man, I, I love TikTok. I need to get on TikTok. I love it, man. It's like, it, now I would say like an hour can go by and you're literally like, what just happened to that hour? I've been TikToking for an hour. Cause sometimes like Pauline will go to sleep and she didn't want the television on, you know, whatever. And so I'll just get on TikTok and I follow these, these food guys. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's like, man, it's awesome. These are nobodies with 30, 50,000 followers doing barbecue ribs. You're right. It's like, it's just in their backyard, these, you know, right? in their backyard. Yeah. And they're literally like got thousands of followers. These are two, three minute videos and they're awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and talking about the creator economy, here's a couple of things that I think are interesting. Um, and there's like, I just feel like 2020 and 2021, there were just so many headlines about the creator economy. You have entire funds siphoning off whole, you know, side projects to invest specifically in creator economy startups. In 2021, right. 5 billion was invested into creator economy startups. Wow. So there are people that are really excited about it. There are people that are um, skeptical. I think the big thing that I think is upfront, everybody needs to understand. And I did a bit of a digging that number 5 billion being invested into the creator economy in 2021. So many of those were investing into companies similar to Substack, right? So companies right. like Patreon, Kickstarter, Gumroad, yep. Beehive, yep. Ghost, I mean, right. Maven, you name it. So on the surface, it's like, wow, all of these um, funds are investing a lot of money into creators. Really, they're investing into Platforms. companies that are yeah platforms that are building applications and 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 look so some of those are going to make it some of them are not going to make it there's usually early days in any kind of vertical sector where you you know so you're creating a platform for content creators okay there'll be 10 of them and then there'll be three that win right and right but so that's typically what happens there'll be some consolidation the ones that you know will start buying the smaller ones and they'll push them all together and then they become in themselves now potentially a, a media, you know, production engine where they can distribute uh, this, you know, creator content to, you know, millions and millions of people. I, I read uh, YouTube is now revenue and it's bigger than Netflix. Wow. So you think about the subscribers and, and what Google generates in YouTube mm -hmm. is that's the, that's the original streaming right? Mm -hmm. Original content. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's bigger than Netflix now. Wow. Which is what you think, like pretty amazing. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and another thing that's interesting I read on this is that, so there's 50 million people that call themselves creators online. Right. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. And here's what I was also shocked about. 40% of those claim to make at least $68,000 a year or more creating yeah. online. And, and you obviously have the top 1% level right. of, of people, the Tim Ferriss's and the, right. Jordan Peterson's and these people who have just yep. spun off right. and built empires around themselves. But right. so 
what do you think? What do you think about the creator economy? Do you think it is uh, overhyped? Do you think we no, talk a lot no, on this no. podcast about building product, you know, yeah. and solving problems? Totally. Um, is oh, the creator th- economy a result of just everybody wanting to have an audience, or is there something to the individual building sustainable businesses? Definitely, you know. I, I mean, look, it's no question that this this whole thing is here to stay. What well, it's going to be interesting to see. Again, the free market takes care of everything. Mm-hmm. So you you know you may have fifty thousand followers today. Um, does that mean you're going to go to a hundred thousand? Maybe uh, if you got something good to say or you're teaching. You know, I like there is literally you can learn anything, right? From people who you've never heard from, you've never met. You can learn guitar. You can learn piano. I can I can go watch an instructional videos on anything on how to put anything that you know, arrives via Amazon to my house that I got to put together. There's a video, mm-hmm. how to fix things, mm-hmm. right? So like, there's all these people out there, like these handyman guys that are literally, I follow some of these woodworker guys on TikTok and they're literally building furniture and it's sped up. It's kind of done really, really well. Yeah. And you, and like, they take like these giant trees, you know, that have fallen down and they cut them and they make tables out of them. It's just like fascinating stuff. And they pour resin in and it's all like, man, this is fascinating. I can learn anything about anything. Mm-hmm. So that just tells me is if you've got a skill mm-hmm. and you know how to communicate it, it's not hard to find an audience. And then, you know, the next step is monetize. So that's why these platforms are getting created. So you can monetize some skill. You know, I, I think the, uh, the lesson of the day is get skilled. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, I, I tell, especially young people become an expert as fast as you can at one or two things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's probably going to, le- and you put like 50 hours plus a week around that, that's mm-hmm. probably going to lead to you being pretty prosperous in mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. What do you, well, okay, let's, we'll get to that in a second. I guess, firstly, for you, you've just recently started doing a lot more writing and obviously you're doing this podcast. You've kind of had yeah. your head down for the last, what, six years building a business. Um, yeah. Was there a moment where you just kind of were like, okay, I'm ready to start talking about yep. this now? And yeah, I mean, what was that like? I'm, I'm getting my blog ready to launch, mm-hmm. uh, DaneSweetman.com. Uh, I'm just throwing stuff on Facebook right now. Um, and you know, it's a bit provocative. I, I was, it's, it's all around generosity, capitalism, free markets, um, anti-socialist, um, and the Bible, right? <laughs> Those are the very kind of little vortex of ve- expertise. And so, yeah, I'm just riffing, you know, on what the Bible says about these really important topics, mostly because I, I see a lot of young people misinformed about what the Bible says. Um, essentially, you know, we're told to give, but if you ain't got it, you can't give it. So right. I'm all about helping people prosper so they can, you know, that's the whole design for prosperity isn't to get more for yourself. It's to, you know, help others and give it away. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just, you know, but I'm, fumbling my way through it a bit. And, I'm not trying to build some big audience and right. be like, I'm enjoying just kind of, it's not sermon prep. I write two, five, 600 word posts a week mm-hmm. and it's, it makes me study and makes me get refocused again. That's what I was so going to ask. Do you just, yeah, you, put it's, it's time, for me. you put that time in your calendar every week or do you just yeah. kind of do it when you get a random, what's that process? Usually like? at, the, at the end of the day, like okay. I'll get to like five o'clock, six o'clock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I start pretty early. I usually start seven to eight, somewhere in there. So, I've, you know, I've gone pretty like full on, you know, eight to 10 hour days. 
And it's usually at the end of the day, you know, I got a few tabs I always keep open, um, you know, my Bible study apps and all that kind of stuff. And I just start riffing and, um, you know, start, like I'll get a thought and start searching it and, you know, find some, I just did four things in Proverbs that will keep you out of poverty, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I just get a theme, I do some research, I write a post and throw it up there. Mm -hmm. So I'm not looking to be influential. I'm not trying to build an audience. I'm not trying to make money from it. Mm -hmm. um, it's just really for me personally. And if, mm -hmm. it, if it blows up, good. If it doesn't, I don't care. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's almost the way that I think, I don't know, you can always tell when someone is trying to, Too hot. to do that. You know yeah, what I mean? For sure. Um, for sure. And I think that is, like you said, I think that's with Packy McCormick. It's just sort of like, that's kind of what turns people off is like, oh, this person is trying way too hard to turn this right. into a thing. Um, yeah. It's back to the authenticity thing, yeah. you know, just, mm -hmm. just keeping it honest and real. And I, my belief is that if you're doing things for money, the money will be harder to get. If you're mm -hmm. doing things to either help others, serve others, because you enjoy doing them, it's, it's, you know, good for your own soul. And it's like the monetization comes, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like, but I, that, I think that goes to the, you know, thinking about the Kings and priests thought around, you know, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. Um, I know God's gifted me with certain things. I'm just going to go and use my gift and I, what God's given me, I'm just going to use it to make the world better or, you know, whatever. And I think if that's the attitude you walk in with, and if you're a creator, right, just you come from the, I'm just like trying to help people with truth. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so I'm going to write about things and I'm, I'm going to, it's not going to be controversial. It's going to be challenging though. Mm -hmm. It's going to be provoking and prodding. And, mm -hmm. you know, you thought this way about this parable and, you know, why did, why did the, the, the parable of the good Samaritan is, um, is a parable about helping people. It's about religious bigotry but inside of there, it's also about a guy who had enough money to, uh, and compassion to go and put the guy up at an inn and bandage his wounds and use his own oil and give him his own wine. And like, he was just this generous guy that, you know, felt compassion for someone that was left for dead. And then he paid for him. Like there's a big, there's a big generosity thing in there. Mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, so I, I love bringing all that out of, you know, kind of scripture that, uh, maybe people, aren't always kind of, that's not their first thought about, you know, right. what the Bible says. Right. So what would you say to, um, a young founder, a young business builder? And that's not just, you know, I, I, that's not just tech. I think we hear creator economy and we think tech, but I mean, yeah. I follow people on Twitter who are, you know, buying and flipping storage units and building businesses right. that do laundromats. So we're just, I'm talking about kind of anyone, um, yeah. here, help me I mean, wrap my head around division of focus and balance because I find myself doing that too, where a couple of days can go by and I'm running a business and I like lift my head up and go, okay, well, I'm thinking like a creator here, not a business builder. Right. Right. For me, it's always that balance. So do you think like young founders should be super concerned with creating and, or like building in public? Cause I think that's, that's a lot of terms people use like to say that they're not trying that's to a create and so on. Um, right. You can, I mean, you can get into a lot of trouble doing all this stuff in public mm -hmm. and you got to have thick skin. And so you better be ready for criticism that comes with that. But look, I think you just got to keep the main thing, your main thing and focus on your business. And, uh, 
and not worry too much about that. You know, you want to get some runs on the board and really have some some momentum on whatever business you're trying to build. If you're just trying to be a creator, just that's that. I, I guess that's what your job is. So go and do that. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, realistically, it's this is about just getting your business idea, getting your product market fit, getting your go-to-market strategy, getting all the things that we talk about in place, and then going to execute your plan. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe that's something to. I talk about is first determining, do you want to be a business builder and owner, or do you want to be a creator? Cause those are really can be two completely different things, right? So if there's someone that's listening that wants yeah. to write or blog or whatever that may be, that right. may be amazing. And you may be able to monetize it, but that doesn't mean, um, I guess it's, it's two different ways of thinking, right? So it's almost like deciding first and foremost, what am I, what am I trying to be? What am I trying to do? Yeah. Yeah, I think this, we're talking about two things, right? We're talking about starting a business and selling products or services. Uh, and then, you know, if, if you want, if you think you have something to say and, and you have some means in which you want to, you know, feel like you want to get that, that message or that point of view out to the world, mm -hmm. you know, start tweeting, start doing all that, that stuff, I guess. And if it morphs into something more than that, well, then I guess you're part of the creator economy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a younger person, a young person's going to think like this, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't think the boomers of the world are thinking like this, although, you know, maybe we should because we've spent 40 years learning about life and developed a lot of expertise around, you know, through all the experiences that we've had and the failures we've had. Uh, so maybe uh, older people should be, you know, creating more content. Mm -hmm. uh, we on the business, on our business side, there's another side to this around content creation that we do a lot of, you know, at, at Tidely because we have a blog, we're, we're always writing about a lot of stuff. We have writers full-time researching. Mm -hmm. I think we post two, three blogs a week. We have half a million hits on our blog a month. So it's it, it definitely is part of the, uh, the building of the funnel mm -hmm. to get people to sign up for our product. So content marketing is a big thing. If you don't know what that is, go Google it, go and read about it. But essentially you're creating blogs usually around a topic, okay, church giving or generosity or, mm -hmm. you know, church attendance or how to run a church staff or how much should an executive pass to get paid or like we've written on all this stuff because mm -hmm. that's the audience we're trying to reach. So, you know, one of the things that I would do if I was starting a church today, and I've told this to a few church planners, is I would um, write about my five-mile radius geographic location and be, literally become the local expert about everything. Mm. Like where the best food is, where the cheapest gas is, where who's the best doctors, like like stuff that if I'm living in, you know, small town USA or mm. medium town USA, because people are going to, who move into those areas, mm -hmm. start like searching for that stuff, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I've always wondered if, talking about content creation, you know, is like, what if I just wrote a blog every day, 500 words about my area, right? And so all the keywords are going to be my town. Mm -hmm. And then literally I become the expert right. on this place. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden people are coming to this landing page and they're like, who's, who's this guy? Oh, he's a pastor of a local church. And he's telling me like where the best daycare for my kid is mm -hmm. or, or where the best kind of 24 hour medical thing, like just hyper localize that I've always, uh, kind of wondered if, if that would be a good evangelism strategy on the side. Yeah, that would be, especially considering, I think 
churches even becoming more hyper local than it has been yeah. in the past, you know? No, and- I, I, I totally believe in the, the hyper local thing, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I think, you know, like, like we're trying to reach people. What about the 500 houses, you know, what, that's walkable from the church building? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's- we were literally just talking about that, about our church location. Uh, it's I mean, just, knock on every what can we do? Houses. What can we do in this neighborhood with this building? That right. doesn't that with with no more goal than to just say how can the you know three yep. streets around us right. um, know that we're here, yeah. And you know I like that's that. it. Maybe do a free Saturday barbecue, then get to know the church, and mm-hmm. give everyone, everyone you know hot dogs and, and burgers, and mm-hmm. maybe you know the Fourth of July, go and do this massive party, and mm-hmm. like people, you know, yeah, hyper local is a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk for a second about, and I know we've we've kind of danced around a bunch of different topics here and we've talked kind of creating, are you building in public? I want to ask about that, this idea of building in public. Um, and then I want to get to kind of what you were saying when we were prepping just about what kind of content are we creating and why are we, you know, why are we doing mm-hmm. it? But let's talk about building in public for a second, because I think those two things, um, content creation and building in public is like oftentimes are, you know, they're either confused. There's a lot of conversation around that. You said, you know, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble building a business um, in public. What do you, what's your school of thought on, on that? Do you build in public? Do you not build in public? Is it all about the kind of product or business you're building? I, I look, I think before all that, it, it's got to come back to your convictions. What do you believe? Why do you believe it? Are you prepared to defend what you believe? Mm. If you are, get out in public all you want. Mm-hmm. And, and, <laughs> into the rough and tumble if you don't have strong convictions about things and you uh can be you know washed around with every you know new thought and idea don't don't be public about what you do because you're going to get challenged on it so i think it has to come back if if you're going to defend a position or you're going to endorse a position or promote a position about anything you know and like bring back into the now your business your product why it's the best why it serves the consumer better why it stands out from the competition um and you have that conviction yeah you should go for it you know i'd argue they probably shouldn't be in the business unless you have real conviction about what you're doing right but um but but, that that should go without saying it doesn't always so people just do stuff for you know whatever but look if if you if you have positions on things and you can defend them you should and i think but that breaks two ways there's people that agree with your position. Maybe it's 50%, hopefully it's 51. And then there's people that don't. And so, you know, I, I serve a marketplace that has, that is like, it's one club, but I, but there's like 500 expressions. Mm-hmm. So the club is Christianity, the church, right? But mm-hmm. there are Episcopalians, we have Pentecostal, we have like, we have every kind of church you can imagine, right? Every kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I have to, you know, I have to decide, like, I wanted to appeal to the broadest set of customers, but there was things I wasn't going to compromise. It started with what I named our company. Mm-hmm. Like there are some denominations that don't talk about tithing. Right. Well, I put that in the name because that was a core value of mine. And I, I had the conviction that, that I really believed that that should be talked about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's in the brand. <laughs> And, uh, and you know, we have some churches that won't use us 
because of the and name. because yeah, it's like it's in the name. I go, that's fine. You know, now fortunately we have you know every single brand of church you can imagine on the platform, so it hasn't been a real stumbling block. But uh, I, I think you need to have convictions about the, the core set of values around your business and be prepared to defend them. And if you want to do that in a public way, have at it. Mm -hmm. So if someone is wanting to do that in a public way, talk about, uh, and you mentioned this kind of before we started recording, just the value and maybe the motive uh, underneath yeah. creating some of this stuff. Because I think that was a really good perspective. We don't just yeah. do it because we're supposed to, because we've kind of determined you don't have to. If you want to, go for it. If you don't yeah. want to, don't worry about it. But if you do, uh, yeah. the motive well, and the value, um, talk about that. Yeah, so, it, okay, you're a Christian, you know, you want to be a creator, you want to create content. Let's remember who the creator is, number one. God created everything. He's the original creator. And so if you're going to be out here creating anything, you've got to do it wrapped in the values that you have and these principles that you're dedicated to live by um, from your creator. So how you, you know, promote something, how you communicate something, because, um, you know, invariably there's going to be pushback and antagonization and people are going to disagree with you and what's your posture going to be when there's pushback? Are you, are, you know, so you're always got, oh, I'm a believer, so I, I can't be a jerk. I'm not going to cuss people out that disagree with me. I'm not going to, you know, get into stupid Twitter fights with mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. right, over dumb things. Mm -hmm. um, I don't ever do that, by the way. That's never yeah. something that I fall into. Yeah. I'm, I'm funny on Twitter. I'm like, <laughs> I'm so random, you know, but I, you know, I, so I can't, so I, I got to remember who my creator is and anything I'm creating, I'm trying to always give him glory and I'm trying to function in such a way is that God's going to look good because they know, you know, what I believe and who I'm connected to. So I, I think you always want to be God honoring in your creating because uh, you're under the creator. Mm, yeah, that's really good. Um, all right. So some of the stuff you've been writing, where can people find it? Following you on Twitter, yeah, just Dean Sweetman Instagram, at everything. Dean yeah. Sweetman at everything. Insta, Facebook, Twitter, just Perfect. at Dean Sweetman. And uh, I mostly just throw things on Facebook. So hit me up. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I, everyone comments. I never not, I never delete comments. Mm -hmm. I have a few antagonists there that <laughs> yeah. rail on things. I'm like, no problem. I want to say things because I'm pretty sharp tongued. Mm -hmm. Like if I want to be, mm -hmm. I could literally like, like spit a razor blade at you and, and it would hurt. Um, but I'm not going to use my gift for that. I'm going to use it to build people up. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, right? You want to, yep. someone's push you back on you. And I, I know I could just dismantle them, mm -hmm. you know, with an argument mm -hmm. and win, Yeah, but I'm not going to do that to people. Yeah. So yeah. That's great. All right. Lastly, and then Dixie.com is, is, is give me another month and I'll have it up. Yeah. Okay. Coming up, coming up soon. Okay. This is putting you on the spot. Lastly, what's a book article podcast episode you've listened to in the past couple of weeks that you think anyone that's listening to this podcast and wanting to build a business should listen to? Okay, there's these uh, long-form two guys that do this podcast. They're like between two and three hours, and sometimes they have two parts. So literally they'll do six hours on a topic, mm -hmm. and it's called Acquired. Yeah, right? I just listened to the Michael Ovitz episode. Boom. On that one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like go and listen to Standard Oil Part 1 and 2. It is like literally it gives you the whole history of the Rockefeller like oil business from like – 
They didn't get, like pre cars. He was doing kerosene, wow. and they were doing it in like Pennsylvania or something. Really, and it was like, yeah, it's the most fascinating. And then all the way through, and then they eventually every gas station brand you see in America started from Standard Oil. They literally had ninety five percent of the market. Wow. So when you see Exxon or you see like total, like you see all of these, they literally were all from Standard Oil, and eventually the federal government broke them up. Because they were just too huge and powerful. Okay. So anyway, acquired, long form. They do tons of research. Um, you know, if you're going on a workout or you're going on a bike ride or you're snowshoeing. There you go. <laughs> that's the one I put on. <laughs> cool. We'll link to that in the uh, show notes. Cool. Yeah, they're great guys. And they're both venture guys too. They're super sharp. Well, Dean, as always, thanks for the time. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. Talk to you, you soon. See you, mate.